Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. The Over the Ball Daily World Cup podcast is brought to you by Soccer America, the soccer paper of record, and by Octane Media. Hey, everybody, welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn and Chris Chamonix, our little quick World Cup update. Uh, Chris, some great games today. Things seem to be opening up. Everybody plays so tight ass that first that first game, even the second one. But uh, this the second one seems like things opened up. Uh, we'll talk about the Spain Germany game that was kind of wide open. I was uh, really surprised uh, at that. The Ticos won, kept their hopes alive. Uh, Costa Rica, you know, we love them. They're in our region. I love when our teams do well. Uh, I saw a couple of things about what six games and only one goal from our region. So well, goal scoring is a problem all across the board. But I was happy to see the Ticos get a win, especially after Japan's first big performance when they came out strong. Uh, a lot of my friends texted me saying, wow, I think I have a new favorite here, new dark horse, which is the Japanese. Um, but some good games today, huh? Yeah, yeah. Japan, uh, disappointing because they finally got a, an early three points in a World Cup and now couldn't sustain it. Mm-hmm. Hikos, as you say, like, you know, you go from losing by seven to winning by one. That's an eight goal swing in one game. Like, you never see something like that. Like, that's so right. rare. Uh, I don't think anyone would have picked them after the first the first performance, but credit to them. Uh, the group, all the so many groups are upside down and inside out. It's like right. dude, they're all so tight. It's all coming down to the last game. Obviously, today is super exciting with Canada and Croatia. There's so much behind the scenes there between the coaches, and then uh, the final game, which is Sp- Spain Germany, which is uh, they they say it's the only game in the first round of two teams that have previously won the World Cup. Wow, interesting. So you know these high scoring games are are odd. I feel because. You know, you go down a goal or two, even though it's a kind of almost evenly matched game. But once you're down, then you just start pushing and throwing pay- players forward, and then the, the score gets run up. So it's sort of sometimes it's a deserved high score. Sometimes it's like the guys are just trying to pay catch up, and it just the, the it's all downhill from there. Yeah, I think there's a real sense. I I don't know. I detect it more than previous World Cups where they're chasing goals when they can, you know, if they can add another goal, they're really pushing for that um, because they understand that. I think it's, it's an understanding that there's more parity and that goal differential uh, is the first tiebreaker. I think we, a couple of episodes ago, we may have said, or I may have said head to head, but it's not head to head is not the first tiebreaker. The first tiebreaker is goal differential and the second one is goal scored. So there's a, a really precedent or i should say priority being put on you know difference between goals for and goals against and obviously scoring yeah uh what was i gonna say they it's almost like college football where they run up the score now because they want to be ranked number one because of the you know and, and so it's unfortunate some sportsmanship it goes away um speaking of sportsmanship and you know we have a big game against iran coming up i want to talk about that a little bit Klinsman's comments this flag controversy but let's let's do, to soccer for a little bit here before we get into the politics. Um, but good day today uh, for the Ticos, obviously, and uh, Japan, a tough one. Germany and Spain, good to see the big boys going at it back and forth, end to end. And you did, you know, uh, I guess there's that quote from from Lineker, that, you know, Germans 22 guys play for 90 minutes and the Germans win is basically what happens. And I thought that was going to happen today. They're so disciplined, Chris. Um, it's, it's really amazing to watch them. They, they continue to play the way they play, whether they're down or they're up. 
Yeah, the Germans don't have uh, another gear besides results first, above all else. And mm -hmm. I, I think there's a strong sense, even in this the latter part of this game today, where you knew they were going to get at least one more chance. You know, right. uh, it's one or two chances. And the question was going to be, are they going to put it in? And today they did. It's remarkable. I mean, more so yeah. than any other team, when they get in that situation, you have a sense that they're going to get a real chance of walking away from the match with something. Yeah, they don't panic. They don't start playing long ball. They just, you can tell the it, the intensity lifts a little bit, but they keep playing the same way. Um, but a lot happened in, uh, like in the last podcast we had, and a lot of my friends commented on it about world parity now in, in, in world soccer. You got a Japan, um, you know, you got to you have a Canada. I'm proud of Canada, man. I really, you know, I like the way they play. I like their spirit. He's done a great job, that coach. Um, they Big ran out mistake, though. Big yeah. mistake with yeah. what he said and how that got used against. Uh, oh, what I missed you know. this. What is this? Yeah, though, after the last game, he was really pleased with how his players went against Belgium. Oh, and uh, When they lost. And, yeah, even though they lost, he was really pleased yeah. with the performance. And so when he circled up the guys, you know, he said something along the lines of like, hey, look, you know, we belong here at the World Cup level. And in the right. next game, we're going to, and I quote, F Croatia. And when they asked him uh -huh. what he said, he said, yeah, that's what we said, you know, and, and obviously Croatia took exception to that. They were runner-ups in the last World Cup. And today in the post-game after Croatia wins 4-1, one of the, the forwards who scored a goal or two, you know, came out and, and thanked the Canadian coach for providing the motivation for the match. Oh, exactly. Which what you tell your players sometimes don't motivate yeah. the other team ever. Uh, nice to see Morocco grab a win. It was sad to watch Belgium. They just seemed like they all gave blood that day today. It was just all lethargic. And you have a De Bruyne in the midfield, but no creativity, no sense of urgency. Um, no creativity. It just was just, they're boring to watch. And it feels like that golden generation has passed and yeah. they just didn't do it. They, they, they all do it individually and with their domestic, you know, teams, but man, they, they were just pathetic, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, I had to take a, it was a double take when in between the two Belgian games, I, I read a quote from De Bruyne about, you know, how no, they asked him, you know, what are Belgium's chances to win? He says, no chance. We're too old and da 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 da. And then oh they asked Hazard a question like that. And he said, ah, I don't think so. You know, and I've never heard something. I mean, you know, like when talk about, okay, cultural differences or individual differences, fair enough. But, you know, we have, sh we have riots in the streets today in, in, in Belgium after Belgian, you know, losing. Lost. Uh, and, and, and you have players with that kind of quote. I mean, it's just not the kind of thing you'd want in between matches. Coach is gone. He'll be gone after this. That uh, he just didn't get a chance. He said this was yes. sort of his last shot and, uh, it, it ain't happening. Um, all right. So Morocco, Belgium, Germany, Spain, the Ticos win. Um, so some fun soccer today. So let's get to the United States. We are coming up Tuesday, uh, playing Iran, a lot going on in that country, a lot of demonstrations, um, and then Klinsman said something about gamesmanship. Now, I believe this. Now, and I've argued when I was at ESPN, I remember arguing with um, the Venezuelan guy there about he was like culture. We, you know, it's not a flop. It's culture. It's it's how the game is played. I go, that's not how the game is played. It, it's not to to pretend you fall, to pretend you got hit in the head, um, to to chew at the referee, to get square off with the referee, get in their face. Four guys surround the the referee. I can't stand that stuff. It's uh, it does not sit well with the American sports fan. And 
you know, what, what someone texted me just basically saying the flopping. And look, I'm sick of defending flopping as a soccer person, right? You know, sort of. Uh, it annoys me because it's generally people who don't know the game at all. But even people who do know the game, we we get frustrated at um, at flopping. I say it's almost like politically correctness. The left and the right, nobody owns it. Everybody's pissed off at it. It's like stop. So I feel like they do that stuff. They try to figure out how to curtail it. Uh, they have in the MLS a little bit, uh, and it's kind of worked. And MLS. You know, you go down, you better go down for a good reason because the guys are going to give you some shit. It's, you know, you just don't flop. Um, so I guess Klinsman said it was gamesmanship, getting in the referee's ear. It's just how they are. It's how they try to rattle you. I, I didn't see the comments as that offensive. Apparently, they're trying to get him off the committee and everything else. And look, I'm no big Klinsman fan from his run here and the way he did that. But um, that seems like a little uh, overreaction and a little insecurity there. Yeah, I didn't get to see the whole quote. Uh, you know, I'm not totally sure, but I know he talked about it, the general gist I got was something about the gamesmanship that Iran would put into this last game. So uh, Iran takes exception to that. Uh, okay, fair enough. I mean, uh, the reality of the game itself is that the U.S. must win and Iran can tie. So right. from a, when, when you're now managing time, uh, you can believe that the U.S. will have their foot on the pedal and Iran doesn't need to and could work in ways to delay the game. Let me, let me ask you about that as a coach, Chris. That. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you that because I have a sense of Iran coming out to play for a tie, which teams that I've played with and played on, uh, that's that's a kiss of death a little bit, isn't it? To come out with yeah, that mentality I mean, to think, let's just hold on for 90, you know? Yes. I mean, there's always a way a team operates and there's a, a practical side of how they go about things. And in these kinds of games, the reality is coaches and players don't coach that many games in their or play in that many games in their career where a tie is okay. I mean, if you really right. think about it, how many times yeah, do you yeah. play in that game or coach that game? So for the most part, they're engineered to go a certain way. But look, we've all seen goal kicks that – ball goes out of bounds and boom, seven seconds later, it's being hit and rushed. And then we've right. also seen 30, 35, 40 seconds and you're getting a yellow card. So sure, I think Iran will most likely say, look, don't change the way we play. But when there's moments to get an extra breath, when there's moments to, you know, hey, you go down, you go down and, and actually kind of milk the clock a little bit, maybe that's something that you can do within the laws of the game. But you can't take it to the point where it's just getting yellow cautioned and eleven players getting eleven yellow cards on delay a game. That that to me is that where it starts to break up into the sportsmanship component. Right. Uh, so, you know, he. I guess, here's the quote from him. He said after a series of niggling fouls and in conduct by the Iranian coaching staff during the game, it was part of a deliberate strategy to make opponents quote lose their focus. This is not a coincidence. This is all purposely. This is part of their culture. That's how they play it. And that's, kind of, that's a little offensive, I guess. So then Klinsman said, we're working in the studio for the BBC. They work the referee. You saw the bench. They're always jumping off and working the linesman and the fourth official on the sideline, constantly in their ears, constantly in your face and on the field. This is their culture. I think this is their culture is where he got uh, in trouble, probably. They make you lose their focus, make you lose your concentration and what's really important to you. So I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I guess... In this hypersensitive world, you can't say that, but that to me, that's the truth. I would say the same thing about uh, a Venezuelan team, or, or uh, Spain does it uh, a bunch. It seems like the sort of the Hispanic world does it a little bit more. 
Um, yeah, I think whenever you don't put an, a name to something and you have yeah. a general blanket comment, you know, <laughs> that, that leads to issue, right? And so Men suck, what, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what like Iran is basically coming up with right now. It's like, hey, you've just made a big blanket statement that this is our entire culture and that this is how, you know, our federation operates all the time. And that's not true. I, I so, tell you why I like it, Chris, because they're going to be aware of that and the world's going to be watching. And if they do that sort of behavior to try and disrupt the United States as they're playing them, the world will see it and, and then we'll, we'll see what happens from there. Now, well, the there, American, there's yeah. that, but there's also like, not that they needed more motivation, but now it's literally Iran against the world, right? Because you have right. the FIFA against them, you have Klinsman against them, the big United States is against them. And now you have Iran you know, against Iran right now. Right, but not not the players in the locker room. You know, the players right. in the locker room are trying to play in a World Cup, and and that's you know they're professionals, and that's where their priority is, and and so now they're going to use all the the outside noise, which you usually tune out. You know, you could you can argue that the coach might use it to motivate them even further. Well, you know, I feel bad for those guys in the sense. I I mean, I hope we whip them pretty badly, but uh, they can't win. You know, they're under the microscope there. They have uh, right. sort of. Um, you know, Republican guards guarding them and all kinds of crazy shit. I mean, they arrested one of the former national team players for just, uh, you know, saying some comments that were not supportive of the Islamic, um, you know, there. So it's, uh, I, I just want them, uh, look, I was in the game in France when we lost to Iran and it was terrible. I mean, it was a love fest between the fans uh, because it's not the people, it's, it's that leadership over there. But uh, we were all in it together. We were, I was hanging out with Iranians and, and singing and, and hanging out. And uh, they beat us on the field. And it was, it was a great win for them. I just hope they don't repeat it because uh, the boys got to open it up. They got to score some goals coming up. So uh, a big game Tuesday. Uh, this is all the marbles. It's everything. So, um, you know, and I thought it, to, to go back to Burhalter a little bit about the comments with Iran, I thought he played it correctly. He said, look, these guys are players. They've been training their ass off for, for years to get to this point. We're just going to go out and have a healthy competition. And, and, you know, we're all players at heart. So it's sort of, uh, that stuff goes away at that point. Yeah, he's, he certainly wants to calm the waters because on the inside, he understands his, his team will be, you know, super motivated to get because they need the full win. They need the full three points. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's got all the motivation he needs just by looking at the table. So besides that, he's not going to try to say or incite anything with any comment to make things even worse. Hey, so uh, this is interesting. You know, I, I have a, a hair across my ass for the English with, you know, the game and my history with them. But uh, they come out six goal, big win. Um, looking great. And then they struggle against the United States. I thought the United States actually outplayed them. Um, they just never seemed to get out of second gear, it seemed, the English. Uh, and kept some guys on the bench who surprised me that they they were. Foden come in there. and He's like a, on jet fuel, that dude. Um, what I think is funny now is what always happens is the English don't get behind their team. They start to shit on them through the press, the media, the British press goes, goes, you know, just trying to sell papers. They praise the Americans and they shit on the English this time. And now it all starts again. Now the guys are going to be in their heads. I hope they don't start playing to not lose again um, because uh, that's what happens. That's what don't yeah. lose. And it's a, it's a hell of a way to play. 
Yeah, I'm, I doubt that was the message to the players, but it was a bizarre performance. You have, you have the, virtually every English player played, you know, below his typical level, um, right? And and so that's where you have to look at the coach and say, okay, what was going on behind the scenes those last forty eight hours to to have that type of a of a performance? You know, pressure. I mean, really, is there pressure? They got three points in the first game. They're well positioned to advance after that. Like, I thought they checked the box of pressure with that first performance and. Uh, it's a sh- it was yeah. a bizarre performance. I may be out of line here, but I had my roommate in college who was black. He was a sprinter on the UMass team. And he said that whenever he saw a white sprinter next to him, he was like, oh, shit, man. I am not losing to that guy because he's talking about his culture. So I think sometimes with the English looking at the Americans, they're kind of like, oh, oh, shit, we, can- we can't lose to them. We cannot lose to them because we'll never hear the end of it. And I think they play that way. I don't know if that analogy works, but uh, Scott Morris, uh, I talked to him yesterday. So that's why he's he's on my mind. I can get you shut down maybe. Um, maybe, <laughs> well, Iran I, will, maybe Iran will be, uh, go after me now. He said yeah. bad things about the black man. I, I just don't think the English players have that much of an issue with the American players. I, 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 right, that's, right. that's what's bizarre to me. Like, I mean, the, the motivation is not to beat America. The, the, the motivation is to advance out of the group and win the group, right, which is to their advantage. So points would be advantageous to them. And, they, you know, even if it was a tie, but like a hard-fought tie, like Spain-Germany today, you'd say, yeah. okay, that was something. We, we certainly went after it, but England borderline didn't. And, and right. that's, that's where you ask questions. You're like, what, what's going on there? Yeah, I think they were digging their first win. And that's what I loved about the Germany-Spain game. 90 minutes in, they're still going hard back and forth. Nobody's playing for a tie. They want to win the group. So uh, so good stuff. All right. Um, and then the Americans, I guess we took the Islamic symbol off the Iranian flag um, in support of, uh, of the protests that are going on in Iran. And they want us banned from FIFA. So I don't think anything's happening to Klinsman. I don't think anything's happening to us. Um, and... You know, I just hope the boys and in the locker room, you seal it off, you play, you compete against these guys, and uh, best team wins. Yeah, I mean, this is all breaking today, so I don't have all the information. But from what I did see quickly, it seemed like it's something that came from U.S. soccer itself, like on social media. Right. So that could just be an individual's mistake uh, and or a federation's overt choice to support a certain movement in Iran. But, uh, you know, is it... I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird time. Like, why today and not the day before? Or well, why it, at all? Yeah. Like, what well, are we A couple doing? schools like, of thought, of course, because, because uh, there's been a lot happening. Because, first of all, Fox has been criticized for, for the lack of perspective when it comes to Qatar and when it comes to Iran. And when these teams play, it's not being in a vacuum. The players play. The coaches coach. But the viewers view. And uh, we get to watch uh, an Iranian team. We get to watch these other teams. It's And... Um, you know, when all the uh, the rainbow stuff happened mm-hmm. in Qatar, I think they backed off a little bit because of the pressure. And uh, Fox was criticized because they didn't mention it barely at all. Um, so this stuff creeps in. And I think, you know, as a coach, you just try to limit this stuff, your players from hearing this stuff, because it does affect um, going ahead. So hopefully our boys, the pros, put their heads down. Um, they've gotten this far, uh, some ups and downs. But they got to put the ball in the back of the net. They got to win. Uh, do you have any thoughts on who they might start? Jesus, you think will be up front this time, or um, Haji Wright was a bit of a surprise to me. I have, I can honestly tell you, I have no idea. You know, if, if he's going to start Haji Wright there, that means that he's sounds like he's looking for an athletic presence up top to help press and pressure, especially if they're going to play with two up top. 
that might yeah. be the right fit, you know, tactically in this game. I would imagine he'll go back to his three up top, his four through three. As Dom said the other day, you don't change anyone in the midfield. Now it becomes a question of who you pick. And and it could be that Ferreira and Reina start in the simple sense that they're the freshest, you know, if you want to follow a script. Well, let me throw this out at you. Uh, they're talking about Reina and whether there's stuff happening off the ball. Um, you know, they didn't match their comments. He said he's fit. He's 100% fit. Uh, Berhalter said that. He wasn't. He had some tightness in his hamstring. So there's a disconnect there. Um, some people, and this is beyond my pay grade, uh, this falls to you, but Wea, they said the possibility of Wea moving to the inside uh, to take that number nine spot and then pushing Aronson on the outside with Reina, I mean, to get some of these guys in. Maybe. I, I don't know if they've played that many games that way. So that's the yeah. part where I would be surprised if they went that far off the, the typical script that they have well, I think we'd we'll just be pushing Wea in. Um, and I think he's played that in Ligue a little bit. Um, yeah, but not with this team. I mean, look, how do you take Wea out, uh, out of the team? He just scored a goal, right? So in theory. Oh, no, no, yeah. I'm saying you know, keep him in, but yeah. how do you get the other guys in? And, uh, it could be Wea and, and starting and then and then having Ferreira up top, you know, as a central player. If you're going to rotate the the center forwards and give each yeah. one of them a game in the first round for maximum freshness. And then if you get pressured as a coach to play a player, I swear there must be a, an inclination to go. You know what? I'm not playing him. You know, like to sort of, you know, put your marker down there of like, no, I, I'm the coach. I'm going to decide. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I think this is not the, yeah, but the more not the time, not the right? place for a marker. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff, you get sorted out. I mean, I think that if we're having a conversation and we're really that clueless about what the lineup is, that's a red flag for me, you know, because so, there's got to be some discomfort in terms of the inside of the group and, and how right. all this is actually like what the choices are and how they're being made. Cause it seems like it's, there's, we don't see the pattern, and the, the the way they're being explained to us isn't totally making sense. So, someone talk, um, so Man, Man City last year without Hurling, they played without really a true nine, right? Without Holland, yeah. Without Holland, I mean, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. Hurling. Who's Hurling? I don't know. It's Erling an Irish is, game. Uh, yeah, it's his Holland. Holland. Uh, and and so um, maybe they're you know a quick sort of um, I don't know get your best players on the field or whoever's. Playing well, yeah. Look, that's what I've been saying all along, but he's never done it. So again, yeah. I'd be surprised if he did that as well. Because you, you're right, you could play with the false nine, which is what we were talking about with Dom. Is is play Reina with Aronson and Pulisic more narrow, and then allow your fullbacks to go all the way forward, which they do anyway to provide width. Right, so if they're going to go forward. Then you may want some footballers in the half spaces, quote unquote, and that's where Pulisic and Reina and Aronson all thrive. Right, so right. To me, it fits their game model, but. Maybe. I'm not there. They are. So they're the ones hey, in the pocket making the choices. Hey, it was fun talking to Dom the other day. He's such a character, a yeah. yeah. uh, great coach, so knowledgeable. Yeah. He's a hell of a player, too. I played with him a little bit, man. He was, uh, mm -hmm. it was something that was great. Uh, we're, we'll have to get him on after the U.S. game on Tuesday. So let's Sounds hope good. it's a big win. U.S. versus Iran Tuesday. What is it, 2 o'clock, I think, the game? Uh, U.S. Iran, I think they're all at 11 o'clock. Uh, Pacific time. So, two, yeah. Oh, Pacific, right? Look at you, yeah. Mr. West Coast boy. I'm yeah, I'm PT. I'm PT. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll, you know, hope for the best, everybody. This is it. This is, uh, you know, game time coming up on Tuesday. The boys have done a, what would you say, a, a B, a grade B maybe so far, but uh, they got to really, they got to bring it home. Yeah, I think the first game was a C. The second game was an A uh, or an A minus, let's say, because we're not getting the goal. And now it all comes down to being in position to possibly advance, which is what they wanted. And that's what they have.
Good stuff. Okay, U.S. Iran on Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow with our World Cup update. For Chris Shamides, I'm Kevin Flynn. We'll talk to you next time on OTB. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247. 